It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, May 15th. Coming up today... Debt ceiling talks prepare to resume tomorrow. Border crossings drop, bucking expectations of a surge. Turkey's poised for a runoff vote as President Erdogan tries to stay in power. And Newmont Mining makes a $19 billion acquisition. New York area hotels will be used to house asylum seekers, plus victims on the anniversary of the deadly Buffalo supermarket shooting were remembered. I'm Michael Barr. More I'm John Stanchow in sports. The Yankees lost 8-7 to the Rays. The Mets split two in Washington. The Celtics won game seven from the Sixers. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Karen, we start this week with possible signs of progress on the debt ceiling. It appears that talks between President Biden and congressional leaders will resume tomorrow. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The buzz over the weekend from all sides is that progress is being made. And during a reporter spray, President Joe Biden was asked... Will it be on Tuesday? It's been reported it'll be Tuesday. I think so. And he says he feels good about it. I remain optimistic because I'm a congenital optimist. But I really think there's a desire on their part as well as ours to reach agreement. I think we'll be able to do it. Meanwhile, Congressman Michael McCall cautions adversaries are watching. Particularly China. To see us default, you know, our full faith and credit. All, of course, subject to change. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Well, as talks appear to resume, the White House is repeating calls for Congress to lift the debt limit. The latest such comments come from National Economic Council Director Lyle Brainerd. The staff is very engaged. I would characterize uh, the engagement as serious, uh, as constructive. When I talk to CEOs, to business leaders around the country, they tell me things are actually going very well. But their biggest concern is that Congress might fail to prevent default and that that would be catastrophic. 
Lyle Brainerd made the comments on Face the Nation from CBS. Catch the program every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Karen, the risk of default appears greater than it's ever been, and that has Wall Street looking for the best place to put money to hedge that risk. We have a new survey out, and Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us with the details. John. And Nathan, the game of chicken over the debt ceiling, putting the glitter on gold. More than half of finance professionals say the precious metal is what they would buy if the U.S. government fails to honor its obligations. And there doesn't seem to be much of an alternative. In a distant second to gold, U.S. Treasuries. That's the pick for about 14 percent of investment professionals. Now, that's a bit ironic since that represents the debt on which the country would be defaulting. Bitcoin came in third, even ahead of the U.S. dollar, the Japanese yen, and the Swiss franc. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. Now let's turn to the situation at the southern border. The surge of migrants that had been expected after the end of pandemic-era restrictions has apparently failed to materialize. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says there's been a 50% drop in border encounters since Title 42 was lifted last week. We have seen, I think, approximately 6,300 on Friday and about 4,200 yesterday. by the United States Border Patrol, and we saw over 10,000 before the end of Title 42 earlier uh, last week. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas spoke to CNN yesterday. He says it's still too soon to know if the surge in crossings has peaked. Well, another major political story this morning, Karen, brings us to the elections in Turkey. Preliminary results show President Recep Tayyip Erdogan with a lead of more than two million votes. But that may not be enough to avoid a second round of voting. We get more from Bloomberg's Yusuf Gamal al-Din in Istanbul. 99% of the votes counted. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan maintains that there's still a chance that he could win it in round one. In Kamal Klitschterolo, who got to sort of 45% in round one, says he could win round two if it comes to it. But uh, reality is also coming together in terms of the stronger position that the incumbent president finds himself in in round two with the parliamentary numbers speaking in his favor. And the third contender for the vote in round one, Sina Nolgan, that's about two million votes. And the people I've spoken to suggest that a good number of those people are more likely to vote for President Recep Tayyip Erdogan when it comes down to it. Bloomberg's Yusuf Kamal al-Din says risk assets in Turkey fell on the results. Sur- uh, Turkish stocks slumped 6.4% before triggering a halt in trading. Well, in London today, Nathan, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is meeting with Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky. And we get more from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Ewan, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Paris, Rome, Berlin, and now London. Vladimir Zelensky's tour of Europe continues today with a surprise visit to the UK. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is set to promise more weapons for Kyiv, including hundreds of attack drones and air defence missiles. Zelensky's whistle-top mission comes as Ukrainian forces prepare for a counter-offensive to take back territory occupied by Russia. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ewan, thanks. Got a couple deals to begin the week. First, Australia's Newcrest mining has agreed to a takeover deal with Newmont. Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has the story. Newmont first approached its Australian rival back in February with a non-binding bid worth $17 billion, but it was rejected by the board at Newcrest. Then in April, Newmont sweetened the offer by more than $2 billion and described it as the best and final offer. 
Well, now Newcrest has accepted terms worth roughly $19.2 billion. This deal would create the world's largest gold producer with assets in North and South America, Africa, Australia, and Papua New Guinea. Newmont will also expand its exposure to copper, a key metal in the clean energy transition. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. We have a nearly $19 billion oil pipeline deal. One Oak has agreed to buy Magellan Midstream Partners. The deal would create one of the largest oil and natural gas pipeline operations operators in the U.S. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City has accepted tens of thousands of migrants, even though officials say the system is stressed. Mayor Eric Adams is now converting the Roosevelt Hotel into an emergency migrants shelter. The historic hotel closed during the pandemic and will reopen and transform into an arrival center this week, opening nearly 1,000 rooms for asylum seekers. They will have access to social and medical services. Sunday marked one year since the deadly shooting in a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. People paused to remember the racially motivated massacre at Topps Supermarket. Church bells chimed across the city to honor the 10 people killed and three others wounded. New York Governor Kathy Hochul. Racism did not win on the day that the people of Buffalo said that love will come out and be the winner on this day. I am proud of you, my fellow Buffalonians. I am so proud. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer also spoke at the memorial, saying families of the victims helped in funding for mental health care. We put money into mental health services, which were so needed, all because of the work the families did. Now, we have a lot more to do. This fight isn't over. The 18-year-old gunman was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis appears closer to announcing his run for the White House, stomping in Iowa over the weekend. The most recent ABC News Washington Post poll of Republicans and GOP-leaning independents showed a 51% people preferring Trump to be the Republican nominee. That's more than double the lead over DeSantis, his nearest opponent. Over the weekend, more than 50 twisters tore across the Midwest from Texas to Nebraska to Illinois, one of them deadly, striking a town in South Texas, killing one man and injuring about a dozen others. This man was able to survive the storm. The whole window caved in and it picked me up off the bed and threw me into the walls. The EF-1 tornado had winds of up to 105 miles an hour. China has sentenced a 78-year-old United States citizen to life in prison on spying charges. John Xinwang Lung, who holds permanent residency in Hong Kong, had been detained on April 15, 2021 by the counterintelligence agency. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, the Yankees and Rays just completed seven games in ten days. Six of the seven were decided by one run. Both teams had comebacks from 6 nothing deficits. The Yanks did that on Saturday. Yesterday, they trailed 3-0, then led 4-3, 4-4. Fifth inning, bases loaded two out. The first batter that Albert Abreu faced was the Rays' Taylor Wall. 1-2 pitch, swinging a high drive towards right center, heading back Judge to the wall. Grand slam! 
For the second consecutive day, the Rays have hit a grand slam, and they've got an 8-4 lead in the Bronx. D-A-E, the call. Yanks closed that gap, but a week after they were trying to win the series but lost 8-7, another Sunday going for a series win, another 8-7 defeat. Mets had lost five straight series. They won't lose the one in Washington that ends tonight. After losing to the Nats 3-2 in the completion of the suspended game, they won 8-2, scoring all eight in the fifth inning. Max Scherzer beat his old team, got his first win in over a month. Celtics improved to 27 and 9 in their history in game 7. Blew out Philadelphia 112 to 88. Jason Tatum poured in 51 points, most ever in a game 7. And so the East Finals, Celtics and the Miami Heat for the second straight year, the third time in the last 4 years. The Vegas Golden Knights are into the Stanley Cup West Final of 5-2. Game 6 win at Edmonton. Jonathan Marchessault had a natural hat trick, 3 goals all in the second period. The Aussie Jason Day shot 62 on the Byron Nelson Golf in Dallas, his first PGA win since 2018, and now it's on to the PGA Championship that tees off Thursday in Rochester. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We are seeing a bit of optimism at the start of this new training week with debt talks continuing in Washington and about of M&A news. Let's bring in Lori Calvacina for an outlook on the new week, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, it's great to speak with you. I know you've been talking for really months now about the risks to markets from a prolonged debt ceiling standoff. It seems like that's where we are right now. So do you share this market optimism that we are sort of seeing this morning? Um, so, thanks for having me, as always. And look, I, I think the gut ceiling is one of these issues that has, you know, I, I would say 
Long only investors I've talked to, it hasn't been the top thing they ask about over the last few months, but it's been one of the things they won't let me get out of a meeting before we talk about. So I do <laughs> think that they're, you know, I, I do think it's been on people's minds for quite some time. I think we have only, though, recently really started to see the hedge fund community start to pay attention. And what does that tell you when we have the hedge funds starting to pay attention to this? Uh, what could that mean uh, for the broader market as we get closer to that so-called X date? So, look, I think that the issue that I noticed, I was in London a few weeks ago, and we were talking to a lot of you know, sort of global macro-type hedge funds, and they were quite negative on the U.S. already because they think the U.S. is expensive. They don't believe in the tech trade that was underway at the time um, and is still underway today. And they they also just think that the U.S. is economically disadvantaged relative to Europe at this point in time. And so that's where the debt ceiling comes in as sort of a potential negative catalyst to push a market they don't already like down and also to throw some you know extra uh, burden on the U.S. economy. Um, you know, my point is I do think that the debt ceiling is a risk for markets. I'm not you know quite as bearish a lot of those London investors I spoke with. Um, but I do think it does have the potential to add to some volatility in the market this summer. The thing we've been talking about since February is there are kind of two kind of dramas you can get associated with in the debt ceiling. A total drama year where there's a lot of other stuff going on, like 2011, 2018, 2015, 2016. Those will get you about a 10 to 19 percent drawdown in the equity market. A non-drama filled year where this is kind of the only scandal going on. Um, that will get you about a 5 to 6% hit to markets. And so our assumption has been we'd at least see a 5 to 6% bout of volatility from this. But we do think the fact that we have this banking crisis keeping confidence fragile and recession fears really mounting similar to 2015, 2016, that could put something a little bit more nefarious, like a 10% drawdown on the table. As always, though, Nathan, there are a lot of layers with this. This is an onion. Um, the more we peel it, the more complicated things get. Um, so, uh, you know, I do think that from a sector perspective, uh, we put out a piece this morning that says things might be a little bit more complicated than we initially assumed. Yeah, I want to pick up on your point about uh, the uh, uncertainty uh, that you, from the hedge funds you're hearing from about the growth trade. That has been something that's uh, really paid off in recent weeks as we get uh, through this uh, debt ceiling standoff. Uh, what's your view on whether the growth trade is still something worth looking at? Well, you know, we, we had been thinking a few weeks ago that the growth trade was due for a breather and that the market was due for a breather. And that this was just really, you know, based on the idea that kind of this broader tech PIMT trade is a huge component of the broader market from a market cap perspective. And then if you look at the tech trade itself, we've had a whole bunch of catalysts. Um, so first off, we pre-traded the Fed pause and interest rates coming down. Then we had the banking crisis that pushed people out of value and into growth again. People have been talking about a sluggish economic recovery down the road. That's good for growth stocks. And then we have this monster earnings season for tech companies, which really gave us some positive catalysts. So we've said, look, we've had a lot of positive catalysts for this trade. Maybe, you know, it's time for the market to take a breather on these gut feeling fears and you know, what are the other catalysts for tech coming? Um, you know, what is interesting is I, I did do an analysis last week looking at sector performance and past debt ceiling drawdowns. And the funny thing was, Nathan, it's the value sectors in the market that tend to get hit hardest. And so some of the more recent weakness we've seen on financials, even when we had thought some of the regional banking fears had died down, you know, we just sort of laughed when we saw this because the debt ceiling turns out is just another thing that's much worse for value than growth. Um, so maybe we've picked up on something else that could buoy the, the growth in tech trade for just a little bit longer. Only about 30 seconds left here, Lori, but another potential catalyst is coming up tomorrow in the retail sales figures. What's your expectation on whether that could add further to the volatility? 
I think, you know, we're kind of living day to day on these economic data points. Um, I think what was interesting in this last reporting season was that we were seeing evidence of both consumer resiliency, if you looked at the more services-driven companies, and the more goods-driven companies are continuing to talk about channel shifting um, and more negative impacts that they're seeing. So that's the general thing that we think we've been continuing to see in consumer. Um, you know, I do think investors, on the one hand, they're ready to get a recession over if we're going to have it. Um, on the other hand, they do also want to see some evidence that they can, that consumer resiliency still exists. So I think we'll look for those kinds of details tomorrow. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.